0: Now back into the show.
1: People really love those those areas uh, where where there is heavy growth in those in those communities. So uh, people are not looking for as much cash flow; they're highly more um, on the appreciation where we can do forced appreciation. And uh, you know what we saw is the first few properties where we invested and when the returns started coming uh, we started seeing a shift on that so kind of what ashok said in the beginning we would see that uh, as a little bit of a hesitation because they've not invested in multifamily before people don't know about multifamily but once they once we provided them all the tools once we provided them all the material educated them on forced appreciation how we can force the appreciation uh, how that compares to single-family. In single-family, you can do that. In multi-family, you're able to do that. And once they really started getting their returns, that's how really we were able to prove ourselves. And that's where, you know, our friends and family, they talk to 10 more friends. And, you know, then it's a chain reaction. That's, that's kind of how it started.
0: Down the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with both Mahit Bansal and Ashok Patil. They have both founded Prime Investment Group, which is currently involved in over 1,300 units across several states here in the United States. Mohit has been investing for over 10 years, and prior to becoming an active real estate investor, he led several leadership roles in the manufacturing industry. Ashok, on the other hand, is an experienced real estate realtor in the residential space, and he has experience with obviously residential investments, money lending, and fix and flipping. Now, both uh, Mohit and Ashok are constantly looking to add value to help busy professionals build passive income via investing in one of the most favorite asset classes, multi-family real estate. They both live here in sunny California, and I'm really pumped and excited to have them on the show today to share their incredible knowledge and their story with us. But enough out of me. Let's get them out here. G'day, guys. Welcome to the show. How are you both doing? Great. Thank you, Reed, so much for the introduction. My pleasure. Well, it's great to have you both here. We've become friends over the last little while. We're actually partnering up on a deal uh, coming here in Mesa, California. Oh, I'm always in Mesa, California. It's Mesa, Arizona. We were both on site, Ashok and I, on Monday uh, completing DD. We won't get into that, but I-, I ask all my guests when they come on the show can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? And maybe, Mahit, um, you can go first. Sure. You know, I don't remember
1: the exact age when I made my first dollar. But what I vaguely remember is I was probably seven or eight year old, I was not even a teenager. And my dad said, you wanna go to office? I'm like, not really dad. He said, no, get up from your bed. It's time to go, time to go work. I'm like, okay. So I did start working with him when I was really young. It's good that I don't remember the age. I I just remember that I was, was, uh, it was before my teenage. So I started working with him really early when I was not even a teenager. So I would come back from school and after school I would spend my evening in his office. So I've done every single function in you know, building his business and growing in that business environment. So I, I belong to a business family back home in India. That's how I grew up in that business family, helping my dad grow that business. Uh, we had uh, flour milling and grain trading business. So we grew from 100 to 1,000 to 10,000 to you know, millions of bags uh, wow. processing every every month. So so that was uh, great. And, ha- and growing in that family environment Definitely, um, uh, we made a lot of money, but I, I don't remember when I made my first dollar and, and, and I made my first money, how much I got paid, but definitely uh, I really enjoyed and learned that uh, business from, from my dad and acquired the business skills.
0: That's, 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 that's incredible. Great, great, great yeah. story. Ashok, what about yourself?
2: You are know, going want to laugh if I tell you. I <laughs> got my first dollar learning English. So <laughs> I was never good in English. And in India, when I was a kid, there was a culture that people want to speak and learn English so that you want to grow in the corporate world, right? Mm-hmm. So, in my father made a rule: if you speak in if you speak in your mother tongue Hindi, right, he will cut a dollar from a pocket money. So, <laughs> I will say, learning English, I made my first dollar, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm, I was not good at that.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's it's great to hear. You're obviously, you are both originally from India. You, you have you have strong ties still back to India, but it's great having other expats on the show because you know we it, it, there is a, a common sense of coming to america and making it happen but you you're really defined and 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 how you're brought up in your home country really helps you identify opportunity, right? And, and, and I, lo- I know a lot of, I've got a lot of really good Indian friends and they are very strong business acronyms. They come to this country, they come to Australia, you know, also back in England as well, and just make things happen. You know, they're, they're, they're really a go-getter type of culture. So, so with all, all that being said, walk us through your story of the coming to America story. Um, Ashok, maybe you can go first in terms of how you came here, what was the passion and the drive to, to leave India and come to the US?
2: Sure. So when I was doing my engineering, my only passion was to go to America. I was looking for a job for even higher education only in US. Uh, I came here as L1 visa as a software engineer. I still remember when I was flying from New Delhi, I only had dollar hundred in my pocket, (laughs) that's it. And then I came here, I got some consulting job and as whatever money I was earning, I was spending back in uh, investing back in India to buy real estate. So I purchased first land in Pune in 2002. I constructed a home there. Now the price of that property is, is a really prime location. Now, what I did second property I purchased in Mumbai, and I keep going doing it starting 2008 and nine during the financial meltdown back in US, and that's how I entered into the world of real estate. So real estate was always my passion. Second thing is I never want to keep my money. I don't want to see my money in the bank. I, I want to invest that money somewhere where somewhere which is more asset which I can touch and feel. And real estate is the best, and it has worked for me. And that's how I started getting the real estate license, getting into the property management, fix and flip, and now we are here, multi family
0: Right, right. I'll actually want to keep this question. I'll let Mahit go first on his coming to America story, but I do want to ask very intriguing the delta, the difference between the the U.S. real estate and India. But I'll keep that for for a little bit later in the show. Mahit, sure. what did you? What was your story coming to the U.S.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: You know, when I finished my
1: undergrad from India, my dream was same thing as well, going to North America. So my dream wasn't specifically going to America. Mine, mine was North America, and and part of that, my family, a lot of my family is in Canada. So mm-hmm. we had we had strong ties with my uncles and aunts, and my my elder brother, he actually had migrated to Canada. So we're looking forward to to moving uh, to Canada as a whole family. But then my uh, my my girlfriend. Who we went to the same college together. She came to UC Davis for her master's here in California. So then, you know, the debate started whether should I go to Canada or, or America. And you know what? She won. So we, <laughs> I, I ended up moving. I ended up moving to Canada first, and then from Canada to to the United States. And that's how I first moved to Canada. I lived in, with my family for a couple of years. Had a long distance relationship with my girlfriend, and then then we got married, and I and I and I moved to the United States and kind of after that similar story as Ashok started in real estate investment. So started working in my W-2, started focusing on that and whatever I was saving. And then I was putting that money in real estate. So I bought my first rental property uh, after, I think a year after I moved to the United States and then kept on piling on that another property year after another property year after. So really start start seeing that the growth in real estate and what can, what that money can do if you're putting that in real estate. Mm-hmm. And that's how I slowly transitioned from that single family and then small smaller multi-family and commercial and then into the larger multi-family complexes so I really enjoyed that journey the last uh, ten plus years they've been incredible so now uh, I live with my beautiful wife and four kids here here in uh, in southern california uh, uh, I did not ever imagine that I would be here 10 years ago when I when I started
0: my career in in north america that's that, that's incredible and Mahit, um, from you coming from such a big business family, was there a pressure to stay and take on the family business in, in the milling industry? So it was actually the opposite. So my dad had
1: taken all the pressure growing that business. Um, so as a teenager, when I was working, there was a lot of pressure on helping my dad. But but then his goal was for for me. To study and then not get into the business and do something else, so that so that we don't go through the same pressure that he went. So actually, I, I you know went to school, did my bachelor's, did my master's, and started my PhD. And I dropped that because I didn't like I, I don't want to be a professor, so I dropped my PhD. And you know I didn't want to be in academics, and my my mind was always in the business side because that's what I had in my genes, right? So, mm-hmm. so I started my although I started my job but my my genes brought me back into the business side because that's that's how I grew up right. so uh in the business mindset so so yeah it was the opposite actually not not the pressure to to get into the business but it was it was the exact opposite not to get in the in the business but but my genes did not stop me so I ended up being in the in, in the business
0: that's that that that's that, that is awesome what about you Ashok uh, did you have any pressure from the family to to take over a family business or, or was it all just you know very stereotypical go to school get the the highest paying job you can and 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 go and start a career
2: so in my family there's no business you have belong to a farming community because we have some farmland uh, mm-hmm. And my father never wanted me to go back to the village and do the farming uh, so w2 or get a good job do higher studies was the way to do right and that's what i did that, that, Exactly that's what i followed i did high, i did mechanical engineering uh, it was doing great things when i was in india back in india so i joined a software company like IBM and moved here and then i carried over my IT job until last four, four years back uh, but what i did in the meantime was investing the money that I was earning into real estate. And that gave me one one way to get into full-time into real estate world. So yeah, in my family, there is no one who has done business ever.
0: That's interesting that you started so early in your career, investing back into real estate. Was there, did you know about real estate? Did you just, no. you know, like you just think, I just need to buy this this property back in Mumbai. Like what what what, what drew you to real estate?
2: So I think the first thing is my, my elder sister. So what she was doing when I was in the U.S., she moved before me. Mm-hmm. So whatever the money she was earning, she wanted to purchase a property back in India. So she was the one who reached out to me. And at that time, I had no idea. I just followed her. But I bought a property, I think, back in Pune, maybe for, let's say, $10,000. That property might be worth $600,000 now or more. Wow. Right? I that sick, was in yeah. 2001 and two, And then because. Real estate in, my, in India picked up after the 2002, 3, 4, 5, and now it's very high, right? Uh, second property, same thing. My wife is from Mumbai. She wanted to purchase a property, uh, let's, and I never say no. I just go by the flow. I did that, but both the investors worked out very good for me. So, third thing was to purchase a property back in US, and that's what I started doing it. And I was lucky enough to start investing during the financial meltdown, during short sale time. So I did good in my investment, and that's how I get into the real estate property management, and also getting a real estate license.
0: Right, right. So
2: no, I never had. A, I mean, I never had a plan, but mm. whatever I did worked out for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. But you got started early, and, and I can already yeah. hear that the the underlying theme for both of you is that as soon as you had any excess money. You're yeah. pumping it back into real estate. You're pumping it back into real estate. You knew that planting the seeds over time would start to, you know, produce a big oak tree. And one day you can you can you can sit under the shade of that big oak tree, right?
1: Yep, yeah. So definitely. So same thing here. We bought our first home and I put every single penny as down payment. I wasn't that <laughs> educated at that time. That's I think one of the biggest financial mistakes I made. And then we bought a brand new car and I paid all hundred percent cash on that. I was like, that's all my savings. I have, why, why to take a loan? Right? So I wasn't educated at that time financially on how you can make that money work for you. And then three months later, four months later, I think I had saved enough where I I was like looking forward to putting a down payment on a rental property. And my wife is like, Oh, we just bought a home. We just bought a car. It's been just a few months. We, We don't need, we don't need another house. I'm like, yes otherwise we'll be always working like how we are working right so let's let's put that money as down payment on another property so we bought a property in texas where we put down payment for that house and then a year later a couple of years later we kept on saving all that money and kept on buying and putting down payments for those properties so so that's really where we saw a lot of advantage of that money saving and putting that as down payments for other real estate properties and giving us benefit rather than having that money sit in the bank or in stocks or in 401ks where the money was just going up and down, up and down all the time, and you would have to really chase it on what's happening. So so finding stable source of income and utilizing that money uh, for money to grow and, and make money while you're sleeping. So that's kind of the mentality I had and kind of continue to grow
0: on that idea or... For the last 10 years. And it sounds like that was also from from the get-go, right? You always, you knew that at some point, working for a W2 was never gonna be the end game. You had to start getting your money working for you. As you left the door every single day, it was leaving the door and going to work as well.
1: Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. If I did
1: not have that plan in place, I, I don't think I would be where, where I am today. So sure. putting yeah. that seed uh did definitely help and did accelerate that. One thing I could have changed is I should not have put, you know, that much down payment on my first house and, and on the car. I should have used that money to buy more properties and, 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 and invested that money rather than investing that. So, uh, but but yeah, otherwise it turned out everything else turned out great and it's been a great journey.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it sounds like it and hindsight 2020 is always it's always a problem, but you're actively doing it now. You know, it. you can learn from your, not mistakes, but learn from your lessons and uh, and help you move forward in the right direction. Um, I do want to ask just a little bit about, and maybe Ashok, uh, you'll be the best one to ask about this, is the difference between, you know, the Indian real estate community and the US. And, and do you see parallels Is a similar sort of ways in, 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 in buying real estate in India? Like maybe just give it maybe a, an overview of, of, of the Indian market. And, and you mentioned earlier that you bought something in 2001 and then the Indian market started to, to shift. Was yeah. there a reason for that? You know, what, what, Just give us maybe a high-level education on that.
2: Sure. So Indian economy was doing good after 1998, 1999, 2000. A uh, lot of cities are smaller. You will see a lot of new construction. What we see now here in the U.S., what we started seeing that uh, in 2000, 2001, 2002, land prices, real estate prices are going up. Second good thing started happening, a lot of Indians were going outside India to work.
0: Mm-hmm. They have
2: dollars, right? And they were sending their back uh, that money back in India that were also increasing the real estate, especially in big cities like Mumbai, Pune, Bangalore, Delhi. So that's a shift we saw. And a lot of new jobs from US, Europe are moving to India. Right, like customer service, mm-hmm. IT, call center, that money was being pumped in, real estate was going up at that time. But there's one thing that I think I have also done wrong investing in India from US money. I live here, right? I can. It's, if I would have invested the same money in US, I would have made more money. Mm-hmm. Getting back money from India, if I sell the property with the tax, there is a difference between a dollar and rupee exchange rate, right? When I bought the property, it was like for, uh, a dollar was worth 40, 40 rupees. Mm-hmm. Now is I think on an average seventy five. So I'm already losing money, even though my real estate has done good. But I'm already losing money. If I bring the money back to US after selling the property, I have to pay tax,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: If so, I think the best thing that I will tell everyone who is listening in India who want to invest in India, if you're planning to stay in US, invest there. You can get the better or the similar returns. Appreciation is actually better there. You can get tax benefit where you live, right? So those are the things I see. Uh, but Investment wise, I think I was lucky. At least I invested. I have no regret. Only regret, I I should have done it in US.
0: Well, you know, I'm sure there's other family reasons of buying properties back home and sending money back. It's it's cultural that you you obviously you guys do that. So right. uh, you know, look, it's again, it's part of. Your story and your journey, so it, it helps you help you learn. So, what do you uh, do? You talk to a lot of people back home about how the real estate market is. Is, is inflation causing problems? You know, what, what, how's it all looking uh, on the ground over there?
2: Inflation and the COVID is definitely taking the impact. So, the price increase acquisition, we don't see much what we were seeing before, especially after two thousand one. Uh, so, definitely it's taking impact. I am not in regular touch with investment point with my friends back in India. Mm-hmm. I'm in touch with my family, uh, so there yeah, definitely infection and COVID is taking a toll, and even on the real estate market. Yep. yep. But we see opposite in the US. <laughs> we see after COVID everything just jumped. We see hundred percent appreciation. Right. So yeah, there is a big difference between Indian and the US market.
0: Right. Mahit, what about yourself? You 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 obviously do you have any thoughts on or comments on 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 the Indian real estate market as it as it versus to the US here? Yeah, I think Indian uh, real estate market
1: has boomed uh, quite a bit from 2002, you know, um, uh, the 2015, 17, 18 until that time. Uh, So we'd seen a peak, but after that, it slowed down. Personally, I have not invested anything in India since I moved to US. My goal was always to keep the money here. Mm -hmm. I kind of had that pains already heard out what Ashok mentioned, bringing the money back being a big problem and and, uh, rupee being depreciating and dollar appreciating. So those two things kind of uh, are are difficult. So I I kept on investing here and which worked out really well uh, for me and my family. Um, I've known a lot of people who have invested in India uh, in the last 10, 15 years, it had done really well, kind of similar to US, the real estate did well everywhere. And lately the last couple of years with COVID, it's, it's gotten a hit. And uh, the you know a lot of people who have invested who who are here who want to bring their money back, it it, it is a big it is a big challenge for them. So we we do help uh, those people as well uh, on what's the best avenues, what are the tax strategies. So we do help them. Um, and also what uh, uh, read what we're seeing the trend is we get calls all the time. I was talking to somebody yesterday even they want to invest in the U.S. market rather than Indian market. So mm. they're like, when is your next project coming? Where can we invest? How can we invest? all that thing. So so they do wanna, uh, rather than invest in India, uh, they wanna invest in the U.S. And part of that is because they can see their kids actually going to college here, going mm-hmm. to universities here, and they wanna have a support system when they graduate and all that stuff. So uh, they are looking
0: at U.S. real estate more than, than, than real estate in India now. Now back into the show. You now in general, a lot of you know the Asian countries, you know, including India and China and you know um, Vietnam and all those places like that, look to 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 use an, as an investment vehicle buying a house as an opportunity to, to to step into the Western world, right? I know it's in Australia, in Canada, in the US, in Europe, um, so it, it seems very culturally um, inappropriate that that that's the path, right? People want to have a better life for their kids. They want to you know start planting some seeds in in the US or wherever that might be. Talk to me about like I know I, I don't know you might be able to tell me better. Is there a limit on how much money you can bring out of of India to in order to stop the outflow and affect the economy when investors you know look to to invest here in the US? I don't believe there is a, there's a limit on that. So you could, okay. so
1: you could open a U.S. entity here and then, um, you know, move your money. And as long as you're paying the right taxes, as you, as long as you're structuring it right and then paying the, the, the taxes, and then you're, you're absolutely fine. And in real estate, the good thing is you can defer your taxes and you can keep carrying it over. That's the beauty. So you don't have to pay taxes today. You can uh, let it grow. And then um, when you're exiting, you can, you can definitely put a plan in place. Yep. So, um, so no, I I don't believe there is a there is a limit on how much you can do it. I'm um, um, I'm hearing that that there are right
0: ways structure it out where you could do uh, bigger investments here. Got it. Got it. Um, Ashok, you 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 both have made uh, a big shift towards helping you know Indian investors get more involved in multifamily. Talk us through that educational process. You know, we spoke a lot about uh, about how uh, the Indian expats when they come here, they have very good. You know, they they, lo- they love getting into business. They love they understand investing. You guys both as a prime examples. You've been investing from from day one. So, is it is that an easy conversation with with most of your fellow expats when you know about investing in in larger multifamily uh, here in the US?
2: It's not. Uh, hmm. It's actually not. Uh, so, we start telling about we are doing it, and people definitely know about us. Now, So any party we go, they start talking about it. But still, a lot of Indian people, they still believe in single family investment, right? They have their own primary house, they go and buy a second property. And that's where we have to convince them, especially people from California, you're losing money. You're not even making, you cannot even do a break even in California. Mm. And that's where we're trying to. Create educational material, we are trying to give them presentation. We are trying to tell them what we can do through multi-family, what through a passive investor, they can make much better returns what they have is from single family. Single family, we are betting on the appreciation. We buy the property today, every year we lose the money. Maybe after five years the property will be double. But there's a bet. But for sure, in multifamily, we are getting cash on cash. We are we know that for sure after five years, we should be able to give them 20% AR return. There's almost like that, your money will be doubled. So we are giving our education, it's not an easy talk, but we are getting a lot of attraction. A lot of people are trusting us and we have a lot of repeated investors. So mm. that, that education piece is what we are trying to build up now, uh, telling people what multifamily can do and why we should not do single family.
0: It, it, I completely, well, not, not why you shouldn't do single family, but why there's other alternative investments out there that that make more sense from a uh, a, a forced appreciation type of viewpoint rather than relying upon market appreciation. You, you, I think you, you're more talking about in multifamily, we can force the appreciation For by, by raising rents and all that sort of stuff.
2: The yeah. um, so same thing I talk about when I talk, give them example of a fix and flip, right? A right. so fix and flip is like a 90-day thumb rule. You buy the property, you fix it, value it, sell it, make money, and get out of it, right? You don't wait for a year or two. Multi-family is totally opposite of it, right? We have a three to five year exit. We purchase the property, we force value add in a period of year to two years, and then once we, are, then we stabilize the property for a third year, and then we sell the property. Right. And that's give them the returns. Yes.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. Are you seeing, Mohit, a lot of your investors looking for the cash flow, or they're just looking to park their money, and they want the tax benefits. What's what's been the the consensus in the Indian community about where they want to place their cash?
1: So, a lot of our investors they're looking for appreciation, so not as much on the cash flow side. They want to invest in the high growth markets, emerging markets, and that's where our focus is. You know, we we go primarily into those markets: Dallas, Texas, you know, Houston, Phoenix, uh, Tucson. So, those are the markets where we heavily focus on. Because those are the markets merging. There's a lot, lot, lot more job growth. A lot more people migrating into those. So people really love those those areas uh, where where there is heavy growth in those in those communities. So uh, people are not looking for as much cash flow. They're highly more um, on the appreciation where we can do forced appreciation. And uh, you know what we saw is the first few properties where we invested, and when the returns started coming. Uh, we started seeing a shift on that. So kind of what Ashok said in the beginning, we would see that uh, as a little bit of a hesitation because they've not invested in multifamily before people don't know about multifamily. But once they once we provided them all the tools, once we provided them all the material, educated them on forced appreciation, how we can force the appreciation, uh, how that compares to single family. In single family, you can do that. In multifamily, you're able to do that. And once they really started getting their returns, that's how really we were able to prove ourselves. And that's where, you know, our friends and family, they talk to 10 more friends and, you know, then it's a chain reaction. That's that's kind of how it started. So uh, personally, we like to know every single one of our investors, every single one of our limited partners, what their goals are, where they want to be, you know, understand to, to them what matters. Is it appreciation or is it cash on cash? Are they looking for monthly returns? Are they looking for annual returns? Or are, can they park their money and 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 bet on that uh, on the force acquisition. So so we we understand uh, every single investor's uh, uh, goals, and we we try to match it with the right opportunities, and try to make sure um, uh, they, they're aware of the risks and rewards as well. And then uh, it's a it's an educated decision for everyone.
0: No, that's no, that, that's exactly right. I think it's 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 investing in that education first to really help bridge that gap. And I and I'm sure because you guys have walked the walk. And the fact that you're expats, you know, you know, just it has such more commonality there because you, you know, you, you all come from the same, you know, not the same circles, but you have similar, uh, you know, humour and and cultural, dif- you know, similarities and all that sort of stuff. So when you get together, it's it's an easier conversation. It's like me when I speak to Australians, they're like when I, when I've got an Australian investor and they they know that I'm Australian and I'm buying these multi-family deals, they're like, oh. Of course I trust you. You know what I mean like it's yeah. you know sometimes expats we tend to not trust Americans right and just it's like they got to they got to invest with the people that they know um from, from their home country. So that's awesome stuff. What are you seeing in in the way that you're educating people now uh, with the shifting interest rate environment with you know inflation with um you know the the pending doom of a recession. What what are you, what's, what's what are you seeing in the marketplace?
1: So definitely,
0: you know, the interest rate, it's a a
1: big change for us, right? So we have uh, went through last few years with very low interest rates. I think interest rates are still low, you know, when they're going to go up, uh, but it's going to be still way below the peaks that we saw in the 80s and and 90s. So uh, there's still a lot of room. What we do is we do very conservative underwriting along with our partners. We do make sure that We're following all the models that are out there on future predictions on where the interest rates are going. And we do educate our investors on what we have used in our models, where we think that the interest rate is going to go and how we have projected that interest rate, whether uh, we always take a conservative approach, but we do show them the different models that we're using and how we're projecting that. And what happens when the interest rate changes? If it goes above our projections, what happens? If it goes below our projections, what happens? So it's open book. Uh, we like to, to educate as much as we can so they can make an educated decision along with us. Yep, Sure. anything to add?
2: Yeah, so I think most very right. And the main thing is disclosure, we disclose them whatever we're underwriting, right? They know about it. Second thing, inflation. So if they don't invest in multifamily or real estate assets, second choice you have is market. And we all have seen the market for the last few days. It goes 1,000 point up, second 1,000 point down, right? uh at least in the interest rate we are taking a cap rate we are having a cap for two to three year, after three years right So max interest rate can go up a lot more than whatever we are saying so those things help them to understand what we have underwritten and that helps them to understand what we are giving them returns is not as we have already taken the uh, into consideration the interest
0: rate yeah, yeah no again it, it, it's all about being honest being open you know mm-hmm. as, as investors as you know operators we don't have a crystal ball we're trying to just buy the right deals yeah. um you know forcing that appreciation uh trying yeah. to you know make sure we're hedging our bets against the, a rising inflationary market um the rising interest rate market I should say um by buying rate caps and all that sort of stuff um and hopefully you know parking our money in hard assets to protect us from inflation over the future you know over the long term yeah. so um but making sure those key key points are driven home with your investors um as we come to wrap up the show, sort of, what, what are you guys looking to do here in the rest of 2022 and beyond with prime investments and and you know your education platform with um, you know Indian investors specifically to help them start investing here in the U.S. So you
1: know the number one goal is to reach out to as many partners as we can, uh, educate as many people as we can, whether they invest with us or not. So our goal is to continue to reach out, continue to continue to in, educate them. On what are the benefits? You know how we were able to make it work for ourselves, and if, if they are losing it, so you know, uh, educating them, and then bringing more and more partners um, on um, on uh, on our on the table to invest with us. So uh, the deals where we find ourselves that we are investing in, we really believe solid in those investments. We want to have uh, our other partners invest alongside us. Uh, so uh, partnering with as many people as we can. And uh, working on the deals that we already closed, so executing our business plan on the deals that we already closed, and then next finding more uh, right deals, which are with conservative underwriting in the emerging markets. Continue to find the right deals at the right time, and then put those in place. So yep. those, those are the things we're looking at, yeah. working on. Love it. And Love to it.
2: add on that, a uh, meetup. So we are planning to have a regular meetup for education, educating the community. Uh, there are multiple different Indian companies in Southern California uh, and all over the place. So we are trying to reach out to them so we can give them presentation about multifamily, benefit of multifamily, like CPA can go and talk about the tax benefits, right? Same way, we want to go there and educate them about the benefit of investing passively into multifamily. So those are things we have targeted to do in 2022.
0: Awesome, awesome! Uh, I know Ashok. We spoke the other day. You're an avid cricket fan, my friend. I think you still go down and and throw the ball I, around in the park. I still do that.
2: I still do that <laughs> every Sunday morning. I try to go and play with, play cricket. Yes,
0: that's
1: awesome. Uh, Mahid, are you are you, are you ever into cricket? I'm not into cricket. I'm into hiking. So ah,
0: nice, nice. When
1: Ashok is playing cricket, I'm hiking. I'm always telling him why don't you come join me for hiking? And he's like, why don't you come come join me for cricket? So, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it, lads. Love it. Well, look, at the end of every show, we'd like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready guys to get into it? Mm-hmm. Sure, All right. It. Question number one is, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? So, uh, you know,
1: staying on track, I think that's number one for me. Uh, no, don't get into analysis paralysis on things. You know, staying uh, uh, consistent with your goals. So write your goals. Make sure you're following them. Make sure you're you're daily taking uh, making moves and, and you know and get and getting closer to those goals. You know what,
2: Reid, I'm learning a lot of these things from Mohit, and Mohit knows it. I'm really honest. So I'm I am the person who is the least organized. <laughs> and then uh, after I met Mohit, I was surprised that someone can be this much organized. He even books in the kitchen six months in advance wow. until the next day I'm going somewhere, I don't even know. I'm okay to pay double the money, but my planning is last minute. So I'm getting better and better, especially when our business is growing. There's so many things going on. Uh, so we have tools, we have Google Keep, and we are trying to be on top of it nowadays. So know is always there. I'm trying to be better.
0: Awesome.
1: But but see here, Ashok brings the other side of it. So he's just so good in networking with others, mm. and then uh, you know, so it brings the the two two uh, two mindsets together. So you know, that's actually a perfect relationship where you know not every person is the same, right? So I cannot be Ashok, and he can be me as well. So, no, so I think we yeah. we bring that skill set together, uh, and then and then marry that relationship.
0: A symbiotic relationship, as they say, a good yin and yang. Well, right. question number two is: What has been? Uh, who's been the most influential person in your careers uh, to date?
2: Okay. Okay. Do you want to go I, first? Sure. I want to go first. Yeah. yeah. So, Mukesh Ambani, he's one of the biggest business house in India. And I read a lot about him, about, especially about his father, Dilip Ambani, how he started. Uh, he used to work in a gas station, I think, in 1930s and 40s, somewhere in the Middle East. And that's how they started the company. From that, thing, he went back to India, started in textile. And I think he's the richest, third richest person in all over the world now. Wow! Uh, so I always think, I mean, dream big. If you don't have a dream, then you're going nowhere, right? I dream big. I don't know where we end up. Uh, and then follow your ethics. Be honest your investor. Everything you sell, you're selling it to someone. We are selling our product, which is multi-family. And the investment we are asking is not like a dollar one. It's a hundred thousand dollar minimum investment. Right. Mm. So we have to do everything right. And I'm sure we might be able to reach someday where maybe half of Vocation money or maybe a tenth of him. So I follow him.
0: Awesome. What
1: are you, Mahit? Yes. Yeah, so for me, the most inspirational person uh, is my dad, actually. So I saw him growing up and working the way he, he worked. So, um, I spent uh, almost 10 years, more than 10 years, actually, in his business, seeing that business grow and learning a lot of things from him. Uh, you know, it, it goes to every single thing, you know, ethics, honesty, how you talk, how you present yourself, you know, kind of similar things that Ashok said, right? So it's the trust that matters most. So we kind of uh, touched base on investors' trust previously, right? So, uh, so for us, having the trust matters the most, and, and that's what I learned Growing up uh, from my dad, especially in his in his business, so for for me he he's the most influential
0: influential person uh, that uh, that uh, uh, I've met. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, what is question number three? What is the most influential tool in your business? Like, so we could talk about a tool like being a a notepad or a phone, uh, or you might have a piece of software that you can't run the business without. What is it? you know for me it's uh, excel so i cannot live
1: without excel as much as you know we all sometimes hate excel saying it's so there's so much but you know truly there is so much you can do in excel like all the underwritings we do they're the, all the models they are based in underwriting right so all our a lot of our trackers they're in they're in excel so uh definitely um you know excel is the number one tool tool for me without without that i can live uh even if i have you know, complex databases, I still like to download the reports in CSVs or Excel files, and then like to trend and track and pivot and do all that stuff. So that's a, that, without that tool, I, I don't think I can, I can survive and grow <laughs> in the business. Sure.
2: So I will say phone, personal connection. Yep. So I don't think so I can, okay, I can survive without that phone in person collection. You can believe it. every day I start my day calling at least few investors, <laughs> even if they invested six months before, just to talk to them, how are you, how are you doing? And that personal connections help us to go to the next level sure. so for me my phone and that personal
0: touch love it love it
1: um and exactly sorry that goes back to the first question back you know Ashok yeah. is the networking person and I'm, I'm the excel person so so yes, <laughs> yeah
0: we both married together Very that's good. right you you need that symbiotic relationship for you it do, to work well yeah no 100% yeah. question number 4 is in one sentence what did you, what is it being the biggest failure in your career what did you learn from that failure
2: my biggest failure i think is when i started uh, I have failed multiple times. I was never the smartest kid in, kid in the class, but I achieved every time, right? Uh, in my batch, I was the first one who got the job into IT, so I always work hard. I have a dream, and for that dream, I always work hard. So I'd say when it comes to failure, investing in India is number one failure. I think I should have still done the same money invested back in the U.S., mm. in real state.
1: Mahi? So for me, um, uh, you know, I would say it's more of not starting in real estate, uh, you know, as early as I could. So um, if I would have started in my twenties, I think it would have been much better. So I started in my thirties. So you know, it kind of correlates. You know, the earlier you start, the better it is. I I always go by a quote. You know, don't buy, don't wait to buy real estate. Uh, You know, wait and then, uh, sorry, Sorry. Don't, don't don't wait to buy real estate buy real estate and then wait, right? So, yep. um, so I, I wish I would have started earlier in my
0: career and then uh, would have helped me grow even more. No, completely agree. Last question for you both is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere, where do they go?
2: Our website, primeinvestmentllc.com. Go to our website, you can go to contact, you can contact either me and Mohit. We are always available 24 by 7. Go to Facebook page, you can always reach out to us.
0: Awesome or go
1: to LinkedIn page, and that's where you can find us as well. Uh, Ashok and I, uh, we're both available. We're very approachable. We believe we're we're down to earth people. We're not a a big brand, a big company where you can't reach out to to any of us. So we're just a text away, a phone call away, a meeting away, go to our website. You can find our numbers, you can find our email addresses. Um, uh, I do check every single email. I respond to every single text. I respond to every single call.
0: So um,
1: so yes, uh, please reach out to us any any way that you feel comfortable with.
0: Well guys, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. And I think the biggest thing that I took away from today's show is that you had the ability or the, the the foresight to start investing early in your careers. Yes, you may not have known everything that you should have, good and no bad, but you got started. And I think that's the most important part of the lessons I've taken away from you. Also, given that you're expats as well, Love the Indian community. Love what you guys are doing. You're, you're trying to bring more Indian um, expats into the real estate investing world, You know, un- making them understand the differences between appreciation, market appreciation, forced appreciation, and then really trying to help create an education platform for those investors to, to, to educate them on the fact that there's more to life than just working a W-2. So um, again, I want to thank you both for jumping on the show today. Did I leave anything out in that review? No, this has been great. Thank you so much, Reed,
1: for giving us the uh, opportunity to jump on the podcast today.
2: Same thing, yeah. Thank you, Reed, for giving us the opportunity. I mean, for us, it's the first podcast. Hopefully, it's good.
0: Yeah, no, mate. Boys, you've done really, really well. Uh, first podcast, you, you nailed it. Um, again, I want to thank you all for coming on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up very, very soon. Sure. Thank, thank you, you so much, Reed. Bye. But. Well, they have another cracking episode jam packed with some incredible episodes from a heat and a shook. Two guys that are absolute go getters coming to the United States, making a go of it and now creating an awesome business in and around educating other Indian expats about the benefits of investing here in the United States. If you do want to reach out to them, remember, head over to primeinvestmentsllc.com. Check them out on LinkedIn as well or on their Facebook page because they are all readily available any time of the day or night. They have that work ethic that we all freaking love. I want to thank you all for jumping on the show today to to really continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a 5 star review on itunes and all the show notes from today will be up on my website at readgoosens.com. now we're going to do this all again next week so remember be bold be brave and go give life a crack